I think we have to have conversations with our parents about what are you expecting when you get older? What's my role? What would you most like to happen in the coming years? And then you work toward honoring those decisions. How do you find and keep hope alive? I will find hope in what Jesus Christ did for me. Do we believe? My hope is centered totally, completely in Him. Do we trust? I have hope today because of what Jesus did on the cross. His hope doesn't change. Hope is triumph in our triumph. Hey there, it's Trisha, your friend from the middays on the Light FM. So glad you are here and you're in for a treat. My guest today is John Fuller, the co-host of Focus on the Family's daily broadcast, also a husband of 37 years and a father of six kids plus a daughter-in-law, so that equals seven, and he has some wonderful stuff to talk to us about today. Mm. So, so glad you're here. John, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Tricia. I mean, I love being in your neck of the woods, so to speak, but today... Um, is a beautiful day to be looking out the window at Pikes Peak and the Front Range. So regardless, I'm so glad the technology allows us to have this chat. Thank you for inviting. Absolutely. It is wonderful to spend time with you. And we feel like we're kind of in Colorado along with you. So that's exciting for all of us who haven't been able to travel lately. Yeah. Well, John, I'm so glad you're here because you have experienced something that many of us can relate to, including myself, which is caring for aging parents. Mm. So that is a bittersweet, would you say, situation and would love to get your perspective on that. Yeah. You know, when you mentioned 37 years of marriage, I thought I'm getting old and I am. And I'm part of that sandwich generation. We're still raising kids. All of them have left the house, but we have an 18 year old special needs son who requires a lot of time and and energy to kind of guide and shepherd. Um, and, and so that's on the, on the one end of the spectrum, on the other end of the spectrum, my folks are a thousand miles away and 90 and 86 and doing okay, but I'm trying to see them more frequently. And I'm, I'm the oldest and, 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 but I'm also the farthest away. And so, um, just trying to take care of them and stay engaged with them and, and make sure that if, and when something happens, we're, we're ready. And I know the plan, um, but more closely um last fall we moved my mother-in-law in with us and that was um that was because of covid and she was she was having a hard time recovering from a hip fracture and so we we just said it, my wife said it's time to move her in and i agreed and i realized oh this is this is until she takes her final breath i think i mean we hadn't thought quite that far ahead and so um, I, I want to be clear, there's no right or wrong. My experience is, is us, not you or others. But I think there are some real common themes for any of us in this situation, Tricia. And, and you mentioned you've been through this, so you know, and, and certainly you can offer your perspectives along the way as we chat. Well, it is wonderful to know that we can journey together on this road and that we can share experiences because it normalizes some of the struggles that we have. It encourages us as we learn from each other how we've kind of walked this road. It's interesting Mm -hmm. that term sandwich generation that you used. I have heard that too. Why do you think it's called the sandwich generation? Is it because you're kind of squeezed between two pieces of bread? (laughs) You're in the middle. You've got the bookends and you're not done parenting and you're 
you're, you're becoming your parent's helper. And I want to really stress this. This is not, I've told my mother-in-law what to do, or I'm telling my parents what to do when I see them in a few weeks. This is the role reversal of those who cared for us and helped raise us up are now in need of some, um, some guidance, some coaching. And so, yeah, sandwich generation is my head is split between the needs of the kids and the needs of my parents. And my wife has done the pivot very well. I got to tell you, we were empty nesters for a night, Tricia. I mean, empty nesters for one night. My youngest daughter had bounced back in for a year along with the sister. Uh, they both lived out of the house. They came in. I said, time out. We need some space. You're all take you and your dogs are going to have to move out. And so they did. And, and one night, one night, we were empty nesters. My daughter moved out and we did what every couple does when you celebrate an empty nest. We moved furniture and cleaned up because the next day is when we moved my mother-in-law in. So still not having that empty nest syndrome uh, affect us too deeply. And it's a, it's actually a joy because Dina's mom is, um, she's a strong believer and she's not a complainer. And she doesn't, she, she just is, is a delight to have in the house. Although there is some work and there are some sacrifices along the way as you and others have experienced. Well, it's interesting that you say that. It does give us more opportunity to love directly, doesn't it? So there yeah. is a joy in that. But I think we can also go ahead and acknowledge as much as we love them, that it is tough. It's challenging in its own way. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. There are, there are sacrifices. I mean, we've, uh, I, I call it granny sitting. We were going to go off, you know, this upcoming weekend, but our granny sitter daughter, uh, who was going to help out with, with some of the care, uh, got sick. And so we're canceling our plans because we have uh, my mother-in-law to take care of demons, taking care of her mom. It is a really rich thing. And, and this is where I want to be careful We've chosen to bring her in because we're in a spot in life where we can do that. We've got a room that's main level living so she can get around with her walker. And, 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 and so we're displaced, but it's really a, a small thing. It's not a big deal. We got half the house. But there are routines that you develop. Now, her mom is 92, survived a, a fractured hip and COVID earlier this year. She says, I'm a tough old bird. And she is. But the, the rhythms are by nine, mom is up and Dina's got her morning going. And by, by one, she's got her lunch and her mid, midday pills and meds. By six o'clock, we're having family as a dinner, the three of us. By eight o'clock, she's kind of starting the wind down process. And at 10, I do that little circuit that a lot of us do when we lock up the house, turn off the lights. And last night I just checked and I, I came up to Dean and I said, I think you're going to have to double check the oxygen. I don't think it's on right, the, the little tube. And so just that kind of constant supervision, it's not, it's not a burden, but it is something that kind of cuts in and, and defines time and space, much like it would for parents of a newborn. And I'm not trying to equate the two, but there are some similarities there in terms of don't want to leave her alone too long because she might fall. She has fallen before. She might need something. And we just want to make sure she's hydrated, that if she needs her oxygen, it's there. And so it's a beautiful opportunity for Dina to honor her mom and to serve her and to take care of her. And by extension, uh, that's part of 
my ministry to her mom as well. I fill in the gaps and take over. And when Dina goes off for a weekend, tag, I'm it. It's all good. It's just different. And it's not necessarily what you envision, which is why it's so important to have the conversations before you get there. That is a great point. And I want to hear more about that to kind of go to what God says about caring for our parents. Tell us a little bit about what how that's helped you. Yeah, well, in the role that you're in. Certainly. I mean, I mean, the the scriptures are very clear, right? Um, Starting with one of those early Ten Commandment kind of things, honor your father and mother and it'll go well with you. I mean, uh, that's a very clear commandment. And I really believe Dina my dear wife is honoring her mom by bringing her into the home and, and taking care of her and, and just talking with her about, well, mom, yeah, you could send a check to that ministry that you saw on TV, but I've already ordered the book from the library. And so maybe you don't need to send them a donation right now. Maybe we can read the book and you can always send them a donation later. Just little guidance, things like that to help her mom mm-hmm. kind of filter, filter life and make decisions. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear, James, and other passages, you know, care for the widow, which Dina's mom is, and the orphan. And then uh, I, I just got to say, Tricia, the Lord has really impressed on me these past few years, particularly with our youngest son, just love him like I do. And I think that's a high bar, but that's a pretty clear mission statement. If I just love people like God loves them, I'm going to respect the heavenly father and I'm going to take care of that person to the best of my ability, whatever that looks like. Maybe, you know, I mean, the way I love my parents a thousand miles away is I call them uh, frequently and I'm going to go see them in a few weeks. And and so I stay engaged as kind of a a distant advisor. The way Dina uh, shows the father's love to her mom is different. She makes sure she's got her meds and she calls in the specialist if she needs, and she's like, hey, mom, let's sit on the patio. And the way I do it is by slowing down and hearing stories and asking questions, small things, but show God's love to our parents. I mean, that's absolutely a command. We, we need to do that, whatever that looks like. And that's inspiring to remember that God has called us to do that. And he's promised us, as you mentioned, blessings when we do. Um, and sometimes those come immediately and sometimes they come afterwards, but, but he does promise it. And we know that we yeah. will, uh, receive them because he promised them. I want to talk a little bit about the person who is engaging in these loving behaviors, but maybe their heart isn't there yet. Maybe they're mm-hmm. struggling because of the sacrifices or the challenges or the concern or the anxiety. And they, they're struggling, they're doing the behaviors, but their heart maybe doesn't feel like it's in it. What might you suggest to someone who's going through that experience? I know that's a tough question, but I think it's one that we all kind of come up against. Well, I I, I think, um, you know, the the question that we have to have is, what do you have for me today, Lord, right? Like your word is a lamp unto my feet. And from what I understand in biblical days, that lamp was like a little thing, maybe the size of this coffee cup here I'm holding. And it maybe threw out, a couple of feet of light. So it's just a step at a time. You know, we, we make plans. I'm a planner. I like to have strategic, you know, dates and, and, and actions in mind. But I also just hold my hands open every day and say, what do you have for me today, Lord? And so when you're caring 
particularly, again, for a young child or an older parent um, as, in the home as we are, you just have to say, what does it look like today, Lord? How do I do this well today to honor you, to honor my parent, and, and let go of my plans and my to-do list? It's frustrating at times, Tricia. I mentioned to somebody, mm -hmm. I live in a land of unfinished. I mean, if I get a phone call done today, score one for Johnny. I got something done. But the the to-do list just keeps going and going. And you know why? Because I'm trying to make people more important than stuff. And so if I don't fix that or if I don't uh, take care of the sprinkler or I don't you know, patch the hole in the wall or I don't uh, get that check off today, there's tomorrow. I mean, just lighten up and get some perspective and think, who do I have in front of me? What's, what's God's perspective on this situation? And then keep doing the stuff that you're doing to serve and honor and love and your heart will catch up, right? I mean, I'm aware that there are situations where it wouldn't work for your parent to move in. There's just friction there. There was a time with my own parents when uh, I couldn't imagine it. Um, I, we've gotten through all that. I've been very intentional and they have too about kind of rebuilding the relationship, but there are circumstances where, sorry, that's just not going to work, but there's a nice assisted living facility down here or, but I can do this or, but we can call in so-and-so. And there are all sorts of family dynamics that really cloud this. It's not a smooth path. Life is messy. God is sovereign. He's got it. So why would you try to, why would you try to grab the wheel? Sorry to, you know, uh, to take that metaphor and that song, but why would you try to grab the wheel? Just let the Lord do it and show up and see what he's got for you. I'm not saying human plans are wrong or that our hearts to do things are wrong. But the truth is the Lord's got life. He knows it. He made the life in front of you that you're caring for. And your job is to show up and honor that life to the best of your ability. And you know what? Jesus came to sacrifice. That's a small thing to sacrifice a little bit to take care of your parents. I just have been writing down notes from what you said because <laughs> it's really hitting home. The first is just, what do you have for me today, God? What is the light that you're going to give me to do what I've been called to do today? Because some days we wake up and we think, I just can't do it. But when we know, and we do know, that God will give us what we need for that next step, for that next day. But yeah. I love that, that intentional prayer. What do you have for me today? And knowing that he will give you what you need for this day. It's interesting because... Um, we're likening caring for our aging parents to caring for babies or kids. They're, they're similar, different, but similar. But for whatever reason, I think it can be easier for people to take care of the kids than it is to take care of yeah. the parents. And I, I'm trying to understand why that's so. And I think part of it is you don't get the same... Um, I guess, feedback or reward from seeing your child grow, what you're seeing is your, your parent potentially declining. And that's hard. Yeah. It's not the same reward, even though some of the, the roles are similar. How do you handle that? How do you handle seeing some of that? And, and, and that's a difficult thing to see. Yeah. Don't you think, Tricia, it's, it's expectations? I mean, we bring a baby into the world, you know, either we have one or we adopt one or we find ourselves having to care for one. 
and and there's a set of expectations that go along with that in terms of their development and you know we're we're raising them so they leave the nest uh, ultimately and and the days of ankle biters as Kevin Lehman calls them is long those are long days but I think it's expectations I, and I think part of it is just watching my own parents it's sort of like wow that's I remember when dad could or I remember when mom didn't have to and now she does even as we speak. Um, some close friends of ours. Um, the wife is over in Asheville, and she—I mean, she's in your part of the world, and she's taking care of her mom who has dementia, and and she's there a few weeks every month from Colorado to Asheville, trying to figure out how much longer is this a tenable situation. Who who's, who expects that for their parents? Who expects to have? And it's not necessarily in this situation, but. There are parents who become oppositional, who become ugly, who become angry and hostile and who shut you down or try to cut you off. These are difficult moments. And so I think a lot of it is our expectations. We remember when mom and dad were strong and they took care of us and they were the answer. And now we have to come alongside and figure out how do I help them navigate without dictating and, and, and being you know oppressive or just treating them like a little kid. It's, it's hard and, and, and it's murky waters and who prepares for this? I mean, you prepare for babies, you paint the room and oftentimes you got, you know, you, you got the reveal and oh, okay, it's going to be a pink room. What do, you, what do you do when suddenly your parent has an accident and they aren't independent anymore? Are you ready for that? This is why I think we have to have conversations with our parents about what are you expecting when you get older? What, what's my role? What, what would you most like to happen in the coming years? And then you work toward honoring those decisions. I mean, we didn't just willy-nilly say, hey, mom, you're moving in with us. We had to get her from Texas up here first to Colorado. And that was a, a series of conversations over time where Dina was saying, mom, I think you're kind of a shut-in. I mean, nobody's coming to visit you. You're just basically living in your bedroom. Why don't you come up to Colorado where... We and the kids around us that we have here in town will come and visit you often. We'll be there every day. We found a place that's a mile away from our house. You'll be with other people. You're an extrovert. You want other people. And she did well until COVID. And so then we had to have the conversation, you know, what about moving in? And she said, yes, I'll take that. <laughs> I will move in with you rather than sit here isolated. And um, again, all of this has to do with expectations, right? Um, yeah. it's not necessarily what we had planned, but it's okay. It's all good. God's got it. So with regard to that, do we try to let go of our expectations try to avoid having them? I love also what you said, starting these conversations early, I think is a wonderful thing. I think so much of the time we react to things instead of yes. proactively thinking about them. And boy, you can save yourself a lot of heartache if you have conversations before things happen. Yeah, yeah, and that's why we, we've had broad. Yeah, we've had broad uh, broadcasts with Lisa Anderson and Dr. Gary Chapman and Lisa Anderson and Michelle Howe talking about their circumstances of aging parents and what that looked like. And uh, we've got other resources at the Focus on the Family website for people. We even have counselors if you're struggling with this call us and let us talk you through some of the difficulties because it is a gray area. I mean, most of us 
don't have older parents living in our home anymore. Um, and that's because, you know, they're, they're in an assisted living facility, which is not necessarily bad, but that's what, actually what my parents are going to do. I mean, dad's like, when you come up, I want you to meet the funeral director. So, you know, because, and then maybe we can have time and I can show you the veterans home that I'm going to go to when I can't stay here anymore. He's got it mapped out. And, and Dina's mom didn't, she was a caregiver for an ailing husband for seven years. And then about seven or eight years, she just kind of shrank her world shrank. And yeah, absolutely. What, what, what are we supposed to do? Take up our cross daily. I mean, I don't want to sound super spiritual. I'm not going to make it sound like it's just so easy. It's frustrating. There becomes friction sometimes between Dean and me. There are tense moments. I mean, when a 91 year old mother-in-law in my home has COVID and we're not sure she's going to make it, it's kind of pins and needles. It's a matter of mm -hmm. prayer. It's a matter of doing what we can. It's a matter of just releasing. And yeah, so die to self. I mean, this is not a big die to self. I'm not being persecuted for my faith. I'm not watching my family get, you know, executed. It's not dark, dark stuff, but it's really rich even during the difficulties. And uh, let me just say this, Tricia, my kids are part of this journey, right? So my youngest yeah. is kind of uncomfortable around his grandmother because she's frail. My two daughters in town, they often come over. One of them takes naps. She, sleep, she sleeps on the sofa or the bed while her grandmother takes a nap. It's kind of an unusual ministry, but it's a great ministry of presence. One of the other daughters comes over and paints grandma's nails on occasion. So those are small things. My daughter-in-law comes over and does her hair. Um, these are small things, but they're all part of the journey. And they wouldn't get that opportunity to see end of life. How can it be? How can you model that well if we didn't have her mom in the home? So it's, it's a good you journey. Modeling it. Yeah, it's a good journey. But as you said, you got to let go of expectations. Well, and, and you also mentioned it. It's not like, like you said, being persecuted for your faith, but it is a daily death to self, in a sense. It's a daily choice to take care of someone before yourself. And that is yeah. a, a daily thing. And we need God's help to do that every day. But I love what you said. Um, you're modeling. That's so encouraging to think that every sacrifice we make taking care of our aging parents, we're modeling for the people around us, believers, non-believers, our, our kids. Yes. Um, so that is so inspiring to remember that. That can give you some strength when you feel like you don't have the strength. I also want to touch on the other relationships that are involved in this. You mentioned, you know, your relationship with your, with your, with Dina, with your wife, spouse relationships, siblings, like you have siblings and how you navigate these things being part of a network. Yeah. How do you take care of relationships as you're doing these things? Well, sure. And you mentioned something earlier that I really appreciated, which is you're not alone. So we are fortunate. We've been in the same Sunday school class. It's just like nine couples, eight or nine couples for um, 17 years. And we have all watched our kids grow up and our parents age. And, and many of our, our fellow uh, Sunday school class members have parents in another state and they understand this. One of them had his mom live with them for eight months. And then she went to visit us and live with another sibling. So you got to have people around you that are with you because this is not a journey you take by yourself. 
you you can't be a, a, a caregiver who's not getting fed and encouraged. Uh, Dean is very fortunate to have a brother that she, the two of them are in sync about moving ahead. Sometimes they have disagreements, but as Dean is here, she's obviously the primary caregiver. She's got the the POA, the power of attorney. She's calling the shots, but she calls her brother and has conversations about it. We have conversations in my family, but it's a little different because mom and dad have this path that they've figured out. But I have a sister on the ground who sees them on a regular basis, and I kind of count on her to keep me posted if there's anything to know. And we've had some discussions. She, you know, at one point she said, we got to get dad's keys away from him. And I'm like, you can try, but I'm not going there. It's not time yet. Uh, you know, until you sense that an accident is imminent or he, you know, runs into the garage door or something, we don't have anything actionable. Just your fear isn't the reason to have the conversation, but that's the small thing. But you have to have the discussions, not just with your parents, so you can kind of know what where you're going to be going uh, in this journey, but with your siblings. And I thank the Lord that Dina and her brother are in sync on this, and there's there's no ought. And um, I think I think that unity is really important. You, you just have to recognize, yeah, she's in the trenches doing the work, and she's doing it with no expectation of payback. Her brother said, you should pay yourself something because, I mean, the, the utility bill went up. I mean, you got to find the moments to smile about. She moved in and suddenly that master bedroom that used to be ours is like the tropics. I mean, it's warmer consistently than it's ever, ever been. The poor dear, she's a she's a frail woman. She's from Texas. It, it can't be hot enough. So it's like 80, 85 all year oh. long or, or warmer. So our, our utility bills shot up and Dina's brother said, you ought to pay yourself for that. And it's like, you're right, we will. So um, all of those conversations, and if I may, Tricia, just find find the joy in the moments. Otherwise, you're just going to burn out. So uh, Dina's mom's nickname is Tata, and I call, I call it living on Tata time. So after dinner, Dina starts cleaning up the kitchen, and I ask questions. Tell me about the time you met Richard and... I mean, you were just 18 and living in Dallas and he was just back from the service. Tell me about that. Or tell me about the move to uh, to the New Orleans area. Or tell me about something Dina did when she was a kid. I just try to, you know, get those memories going. And if I didn't slow down, if I got up and cleaned the table because I got stuff to do, if I didn't slow down and go on ta-ta time, I'd miss a whole bunch of ministry and richness in life. I mean, sure, I've heard some of these stories before, but it's a privilege to sit on the patio and just slow down. I don't know about you, but many of us are just running fast and ragged. Slow it down. Let this person in my life who needs me be a reason to slow down. God can speak in those moments in ways that we don't listen. I mean, he's always speaking, but we don't listen so good when we're running 100 miles an hour. When I'm on ta-ta time, I can hear them a little bit better. So find the moments, glom onto those, and and don't complain. <laughs> Nothing biblical about complaining. You can have your feelings and you can emote them, but then move on. Well, that is a gift. That time that you're giving to her, the time you're giving to your wife, and the time you're giving to yourself by having ta-ta time is a gift. And I think we can all do that. I mean, our culture right now is how fast can you go? But that yeah. culture is slow down 
and enjoy those moments. It's it's so it's so vital. And I'm glad you said that. I, I want to ask you one more question. How do you encourage yourself when it gets challenging? How mm. does Dina encourage herself when it gets challenging? You guys have different roles. I'm more like you. I have a, an older father and my sister is there in the same town with him and she's doing the primary caregiving. Um, so I'm like you in that. And I try to encourage her and thank her and do whatever I can to just support her, knowing that she's doing the daily work. Um, right. But Dina and my sister, for example, are doing just every day. They're doing the things. Um, and how, how do you encourage yourself and how does Dina encourage herself? Because I, I want us to, to have our cups full so we can continue to pour out effectively. Sure. And I think that's a ministry principle. If if I'm running on fumes, I'm not going to be very effective for the kingdom. There are moments when you have to and you're just gasping. Um, but there are other times you can be proactive. One of the things that we talked about was I told Dina, I want you to get into counseling proactively if, as your mom moves in. Uh, because there will be a lot of emotions. There are some family dynamics, extended family things that are going to surface when she passes. And we've got to be ready for that. And bless her heart. <laughs> she hasn't done that yet. She made a phone call. It's been 10 months. So we're getting there. Uh, we're getting there. Um, but I, I love when Dina spends a couple hours in the mornings before her mom needs her in the scriptures. She's got praise music going on. She's got her Bible, her commentaries. She, she's plugged into a small group. Bible study of women that encourage her, that bring her a meal if things are tough, who understand um, at least some of the struggle. So start with yourself and your relationship with the Lord. I know that that sounds kind of standard stuff, but if you're not drinking in the truth of God's word on a regular basis, listening to the light doesn't quite do it. I mean, it's great. I love the companionship, the ministry of the light, and I know God uses radio. I mean, I'm, I'm a lifer in radio. But you've got to own that relationship and get quiet with God and bring your heart to him. I've been reading through Job and 2 Corinthians and the Psalms right now. And the theme I see is it's okay to feel what you're feeling. Express that. Tell the Lord. He will meet you wherever you are in that journey. And then um, surround, as I said, start with you and God and then build relationships with people that will pour into you. And then on occasion, get away. I mean, we haven't had date night very often, but I think we're going to get a date night this weekend. Um, Dina tries to get away with her Bible study. That's once every quarter. So yay for that. Um, we were going to go camping. And I said, what if we don't? <laughs> I don't really want to go this weekend. And she just looked at me and said, thank you, because I don't have the room to get ready for all that. You know what? It's like, yeah, so recognize and give yourself permission to not do stuff. Those are some things that come to mind. But again, it goes back for me to what's the truth of God's word, because he knows and he sees mm -hmm. and he cares. He cares more about you and about your parent and about your relationships than you do. And he loves like you can only hope to love. So rely on the heavenly father and uh, and try to find some balance somewhere in there by the way we do have a caregiver who comes in twice a week and gives dina about four or five hours of time to run errands to go to her bible study to, to do what she needs to do find some help 
um, you can't do this journey alone without burning out. So um, those are some thoughts that come to mind. And again, focus on the family as resources. We got those broadcasts I mentioned. We've got help if you need it. And uh, we're a phone call away. I'm taking away that it's not selfish to take the time to spend the time with God and spend the time doing what you need. It's actually how you're showing love to someone else by taking care of yourself. So then you can keep keep doing it. Wow. You had so much wisdom. I've got notes, notes and notes and notes. That's it's just, it's so good. And it's going to take time to kind of think through them and then incorporate them. So worthwhile. So glad to hear from you. T- uh, tell us again about the resources that, that focus sure. on the family has. Yeah. If you go to focusonthefamily.com and just plug in search for aging parents, you'll find the broadcasts with uh, Lisa Anderson that you can listen to or watch. Um, We've got some articles there about uh, some of the things you and I've talked about, Tricia. And then we do have counselors and um, we'd be happy to set up a time for a free phone consultation. Our donors make it possible uh, for you to call us and um, have our counselor call you back. They're, They're caring, they're wonderful people. And by the way, I've used the counseling services here. I get two appointments a year. I don't think I've used this year's. I think it's time. I need to make a phone call to 800-A-FAMILY and ask to set up a time with a counselor. Um, You're not built to do this journey alone. God is, he he knows it all. Um, Get the help you need, be encouraged, and just know that these seasons are gifts from the Lord, even if they're hard. They, They are gifts. John Fuller from Focus on the Family, thank you so much for spending this time and encouraging us today. Really appreciate you. Well, Tricia, thank you for your heart. I mean, it just oozes out. I appreciate your enthusiasm. You're a great uh, great host. And I want to just say thanks again to the light. Everybody there is so big hearted for the Lord, so much on mission. And we just appreciate so much your partnership with Focus on the Family. All the best to you and the team there. And uh, to our listeners, as uh, every day we walk this life for the Lord.